0: Existential, a podcast aimed at reminding you that it's okay to be human. We listen to human stories and human experiences, and we wrestle with issues of justice, faith, and culture. I'm your host, Corey Leak. Thanks for listening. Well, hey there, folks. Welcome to Season 7, Episode 90 of Existential. Um, I'm, I'm like... No, no, kind of out of words to describe how grateful I am to be able to um, to do this, to record these episodes, to like keep coming back to this microphone, keep coming back to you, for you to continue to listen. Especially those of you who've been with us since episode one. Some of you came on later. If you've not gone back and listened to some of those earlier episodes, they're they're incredible. Um, and I say they're incredible because of the guests we've had, you know, the people we've had that have come through that have shared their stories with us, that have been vulnerable and open, and, man, just put it all out there. And, and I'm appreciative of, of, of all of that, of that whole entire journey. And If I sound like, you know, I'm celebrating a little excessively, it might be because today when I'm recording this, um, my favorite team in the world, the Golden State Warriors, are celebrating a fourth championship since I've been watching them. So it's parade day, right? So I'm in this like, you know, this mode where I'm acting as if I'm at the parade and I'm talking about how great it is that we won. <laughs> but it is great that we, um, we're making strides in contending for a better world. And I want to explain what that means today some um, on this episode. But before I do that, again, thank you. Especially thank you to you who are part of our Patreon community. Um, you who every month, Um, you agree to continue to support the work. For those of you that don't treat this like um, I am a consumable product, but as a human being whose work you believe in, I I so appreciate you. I I just do. Um, The world is a challenging place to be in for all of us. And I think that what I hope you find when you um, get a new episode of Existential in your subscription inbox. I'm sure that's not what it's called, but whatever. That, like, you find a a refuge, a place of, like, yeah, some challenging things, some things that make you wrestle, but also a place where you just can feel like you belong, which is certainly what that Patreon community is. I mean, guys, I, I don't um, really care that much financial support. I'm just gonna be honest with you, I don't. It's great. I don't turn it down. (laughs) We're not like refusing it. But what I want from that Patreon community more than anything is people to feel a sense of belonging. People to feel like they've got some folks who understand them and their story and are willing to listen more and more and more so they can understand even more of their story. And In doing so, we understand our collective story together. We understand where we come from. We understand where someone who may not have my background has come from, and that's important to me. It's been important to me since the first day I sat down to record an episode of this podcast to this 90th episode, where it's even more important to me through the ups and downs of my own life, of battling with anxiety and PTSD and the things that I've been through personally, the um, successes and the failures, the ups, the downs, and the in betweens. I'm grateful for community. I'm grateful for you who listen to this. I'm grateful for you who messaged me on, on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, find me on all the socials, for you who've had me on your podcast that may be listening to this. I'm just, I'm grateful. I'm over the moon. I'm super excited. Thank you to all of you. Now, um, today I want to, well, let, let me let me back up before I do that, because I, I want to tell you what we got coming up this season. We've got some, some new friends that have stopped by to talk to us. We have some old friends that have stopped by to talk to us. And when I say old friends, I don't mean like in age, although some of them may be older, I don't know. Um, <laughs> but like fr- we have friends that have been uh, with us on the podcast before, we are going to spend a little time talking to a couple folks around DEI, which is exploding all over the world. Those of you that don't know what that means, diversity, equity, and inclusion, which is also a part of my work that I do that that the Patreon helps to support. And uh, there will be other ways that you can help support that work um, that I'll be talking about later on this season. But I'm, I'm, I am I'm just want to let you know, this this season is going to be really, really cool. I'm really looking forward to uh, some of the people that we've talked to and and just being with you again in a brand new season of existential. so i um i'll I'll be asked a handful of times by friends, um, by people in my circle about what exactly I mean when I say contending for a better world. At the end of every one of these episodes, we talk about contending for a better world. We're gonna get some contending for a better world T-shirts and and uh, merch out soon, so that you can rock that all around the world. So you can drink coffee out of a mug that reminds you that you are contending for a better world. But before we do that, I want to express what I mean when I say that. And I kind of briefly touched on it when I talked about D E and I. For some, it's D E and I and B diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, which the corporate world has embraced, um, due to the events of 2020, something happened in 2020 that like caused this explosion to take place where people began to say, okay, we have to figure out how we can do our day-to-day business in such a way that's more inclusive, that has more belonging, that is more equitable and more diverse. Amazing. Great. I'm glad that's happening. That is an aspect of better That is one way that we can in our day-to-day lives make or contend for a better world. And I say contend for a better world because that work is always progressing, kind of like a golf game. You're always (laughs) progressing. You're never fully satisfied, although you may be content with the progress you've made and you want to celebrate the progress you've made. It's never something you're like fully like, yes, we have arrived because there's still a shit ton of work to be done when it comes to diversity, equity, and inclusion in all of our spaces, whether the institution be a church, a school, uh, a tech company, a financial institution, um, whether you are talking about um, government, politics, whatever you want to name, we have a lot of work to do when it comes to diversity, equity, and inclusion. And that work is ongoing probably will continue as long as there is a habitable planet for us to live on, which is a conversation for another day. Okay, so what do I mean when I say contending for a better world? If you were to ask me, Corey, what do you mean when you say that? I would say freedom. I would say when every human being, when every person in the circle has a sense of freedom to bring their full selves, which is, again, another one of these buzzword phrases that we hear now, especially with DEI stuff, bringing your full self, your whole self. And what I mean when I say your full self, and sometimes it's easier for me to describe what is better by describing what is so that we can see, huh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That is not the best that we can do. So I'll speak from my own personal experience, which I've spoken to at nauseum for the last, I don't know, six seven years. Uh, my background is from the Christian tradition. I grew up in a pastor's home. I grew up going to uh, predominantly white Christian schools. I went to what, uh, at the time, I thought were multicultural uh, Christian churches, and then spent a lot of time in predominantly white churches, and in. Of those experiences, the thing that resonates the most to me looking back at it is how much I learned what I could not question, what I could not bring, the things that I could not accept about who I am, how I'm wired, and even some of the things that I could not accept about my own culture. You see, like, To be black at a predominantly white church or predominantly white spaces, and and oftentimes even in black churches, if I'm being honest, to be a black Christian in the United States, there is a lot of separation from some of our own ancestral roots of spirituality, religious practice, tradition, um, some of our uh, ways of being and seeing the world and seeing the divine and seeing the sacred and seeing our own bodies We were ripped from and taught a new way of seeing spirituality. And we have wrestled trying to figure out what that means for us as Africans. We come here to the United States as African and become black. And in becoming black, there's an erasure of our rich history. And any time that rich history of spirituality shows up, whether it be voodoo, or Yemaya, that was mentioned on one of our uh, previous episodes, goddess worship of how um, we viewed our bodies and how we talk about our ancestors. Anytime those things show up, it is normally met with a profoundly, like, a heretical kind of uh, language around it. Like you, that's not orthodoxy. That's not, those practices, those ways, those ways of thinking, those, what you bring to the table, that's not actually spiritual. what's fascinating, I was talking to um, a pastor about this earlier this year. We were talking about how, like, like growing up, the things we could and couldn't do, and and I was talking about how growing up I couldn't watch E.T. or the Smurfs or He-Man, although I did watch all of those. I didn't really like the Smurfs anyway. I mean, the Smurfs was really not a great show. You know, just it was kind of man. He-Man rocked, though. He-Man was an incredible, incredible uh, cartoon. You know. So anyway, any of those things that were talking about—power and masters of the universe and and ET—for some reason, um, my mom, who I love to death, thought was demonic. So there was this like, there was this real uh, consciousness of a spiritual realm of demons and angels and visions and all those sorts of things that like were woven into how my black mother believed. And to this day, how she still believes and practices her faith. Meanwhile, um, when you go to some of the more mainstream churches today, you will find that it's very practical and heady. And there's a, 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 a kind of a less less emphasis on things that we cannot see, explain mysterious things um, that are inexplainable. So my this pastor I was talking to was talking about how when he was growing up, there was music he couldn't listen to, not because of the spiritual impact it would have on him necessarily, but because of how it would influence how he thinks. So music with uh, parental advisory Warnings on them are like, we can't listen to that. We can't watch these kind of movies because of how they will influence our behavior versus the spiritual way that in my black home and many black homes, it was like, we don't want to invite those spirits. Right. And when I talk about a world that is free and inclusive, I'm talking about a world where the folks who have a, a worldview of the divine and the sacred that is emphasized by behavior can look at folks who view spirituality through the lens of spirit and the unknown and the mystical and the unseen and go, we can live in harmony with one another. We can actually like learn from each other. We don't have to demonize each other because we believe or see the divine in different ways. And what I have found in my own experience is is that if I view the divine, if I view the sacred, if I view God different than you do, there has to be a term for me. There has to be some way of othering me because I believe differently than you do. And I have this this sort of natural gravitation to talking about spiritual things because I just so happen to believe that regardless of what you're background is when it comes to religion or faith um, spirituality is affecting your life what you cannot see what you do not understand with logic, what you cannot quantify affects your life in fact, um, you know I can't go a whole podcast episode on, on Warriors Parade Day and not quote somebody from the parade Draymond Green today those of you that don't know Draymond Green, because maybe you don't follow sports, Draymond Green is a a very volatile and loud um, and vocal member of the Golden State Warriors who doesn't score a lot. Um, He's not the best player on the team. He is, people argue about whether or not when his career is over, he'll be an all time great. But today what he said was, he said he was, you know, kind of, he's kind of going at the media, which a lot of the media really deserves it. He said, winners win. He said, you 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 keep trying to quantify it, you keep trying to talk about points and who scores, who does this, winners win. He's saying that as a four-time champion with limited skill set, saying winners win. That winners win statement is a statement about spirit. It's not a statement about talent or even work. It is something spiritual it's something that people will tap into that pushes them beyond their own natural ability to do extraordinary things it's spirit it's that thing that that drove bill gates to create the products that many of us use that most of us use and many uh, other companies emulate that you think about people who changed the world there was There were ordinary people, as our friend and brother Andre Henry talks about, ordinary people that like, tapped into something spiritual, something beyond this, that got into something we can't see, that we can't explain, that we can't quantify. And so there is no way for me to talk about contending for a better world without diving into that unseen mystical place of spirituality where there seems to be a tug-of-war over who has a monopoly over it. I shouldn't say there seems to be a tug-of-war. I'm going to only speak from my own experience, and I am certainly don't, con- don't consider myself to be, nor am I, a person who has studied deeply every known religion, because I haven't. My tradition is a Christian tradition. And what I've seen from the Christian tradition is Christians try to have a monopoly over spirituality, which is why if you follow me on Twitter, and most some folks have asked me, why did you tweet that? Some things that I tweet are not just to poke the bear. I need you to understand this if you're listening and you've been following this for a while. I'm not tweeting stuff just to poke the bear. I'm tweeting things that tear away at the fabric of anyone's exclusive claim over things that belong to all of us as human beings every human being has an innate value given to them by the creator whatever you think their creator is you think it's big bang you think it's you think it's a, a an intelligent being that crafted us all in their image if you believe that it is some random scientific thing that that we will someday be able to figure out either way that thing cannot be touched it cannot be seen it cannot be reasoned with <laughs> that thing That created us, that force, that power that created us, created all of us with innate value that we don't have to fight for or earn. It's there. We possess it. And in this better world, we begin with that value. We begin by looking at every human being and and, and every created thing, every creature on this planet, and we say there is an innate value in you. So yes, it extends to how we treat the planet because we treat the planet like a living thing, not a, not like it's some disembodied something that's just here to serve us. Not like the animals that roam around are just here to serve us, but we treat everything like it has some innate value, that it it has some purpose to it, it has something spirit to it, and that to me is better than treating everything as disembodied. It's a better world than a world where we have hierarchy. Where We have a hierarchy where we have some people who have power that they have either inherited or plundered other people to acquire. That that small group of people get to tell us what's professional, what's acceptable, what is good, what is evil, what is well-dressed, what is the ideal body type? What is the ideal body shape? What is the ideal race? What is the ideal culture? What's the best food? What is, all of those things, that there's a small group of people to get to determine those things in a better world. We take deep breaths and we allow the sacred, the divine, to speak and tell us how to value each other in everything. And we don't have a small group of people who are power-hungry, and bloodthirsty, and violent, determining for us what's best. We have a a sense in ourselves that can tell us, that can communicate to us what is best, what is good. In the ancient Hebrew creation story, this word good shows up a lot. It's fascinating. Good. Good. And then God created this and said that it was good. All of creation was was described as good. There was no one to to come and 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 look at Eve and say you're less than or you're not good or or look at lions or tigers or bears. Oh my, and say that you're not good. It was all good. And in a better world, we recapture that good. We find that good. We, we embody that good. We live in that good. We live connected to that good. We live connected to the good in each other. We live valuing the good in each other. That's the better world. Now, here's, here's the challenge, right? Because another part of this, uh, of contending for a better world, is beyond freedom, is inclusion, is that we are including people. Because of that goodness, because they have goodness, we say yes, you, yes, you, yes, you, yes, you, yes, you. It's yes, why it's it's so fascinating to me um, that many Christian organizations and Christian churches and and, and I'm sure other uh, religions have decided that the LGBTQ plus community is not good, that those people don't have good, and therefore we don't include them until they can learn to change until they can learn to be subject to the hierarchy, the authorities, the handful of powerful people who have decided and determined this is the only acceptable way to do family, to have sex, to be intimate. There's only this way. Inclusion says everyone has good. And then the dilemma becomes what happens when you got two people paired, three people paired in a community that aren't used to being around each other and conflict arises? And it's interesting because we have those conversations, like, you know, when we're wanting to dismiss an idea as just ideological and impractical, again, going back to some of our more Western ideologies about practicality that we ask this question practically, what happens when this person is, what happens when you have a Republican and a Democrat in the same community? What happens when you have, um, what, what, I, what, what will you do when you have someone who's transgender who wants to read to children? And I say, <laughs> we invite everyone and we figure it out. You see, that's what that's what life has been so we just figure it out. We have have made some terrible decisions as human beings and and some of the ways that we've figured out how to be have been destructive. And then in each iteration of our being and our collective uh, existence and our sharing of the planet, you'll have some empires rise up that want to dominate and then you'll have some resistance rise up that says, no, thank you. You have folks that, have inherited power and live with power so long that they're drunk on it, and you have people who say, "Listen, um, the world is better when power is distributed, when power is 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 um, flows from within and not top down." And in that world, we include people because their perspectives are valuable, their stories are rich. Their stories are sacred. Their stories are divine. Their people are divine. Their history is divine. And that includes everyone. And I'll tell you something my therapist told me. Yeah, I do have a therapist. And I think everyone, frankly, should have a therapist. My therapist said, everyone, at some point in their lives, plays oppressed and oppressor we all bring that to the table we all have when there is a hierarchy created and we just live in that system we live in that in certain roles whether you whether you walk into a room expecting to be treated like the person you are or you demand it or you just or it just happens because of how we are conditioned to treat certain people based on what they look like or what their gender is or how much money they have in that system of hierarchy, these things just happen. And so at some point, every one of us can find ourselves in a position of oppressor. And what we can decide to do when contending for a better world is create more inclusion using leveraging that position to create more inclusion to, uh, through that inclusion, bring in more freedom for everyone because until everyone is free, no one is free. Until everyone is valued, no one is valued. Until everyone has dignity and a connection to their their sacred story, their sacred history, their sacred ancestors, then really none of us have full freedom. Our world will always have tension until our world has full freedom and full inclusion for every being that has that divine stamp on them. So the question to you, right? Or maybe the question there for me is what 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 can I do? Like how, how do I, as just an ordinary person, get involved in contending for a better world? World sounds massive, and what in the world could I do about the world? I just I'm driving a truck. I'm um I'm, I'm parenting children. I'm just—it's just me and my partner in a relationship, and I go work a tech job, or I'm a sportscaster, or I'm 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 an athlete. Whatever you might be, and you say to yourself, "I don't have this massive platform. I don't I don't have a podcast. I don't have a bunch of followers on social media. How can I contend for a better world, better whole ass world?" Corey, that sounds like a lot. And I was I was speaking with um, an executive a couple of days ago about this very thing uh, when it comes to how this applies to like a corporate setting, how, how this applies to work. And he told me that he was talking with another mutual friend of ours who talked about narrowing your focus, realizing that you can't change everything. And that you can't make big sweeping changes unless you are a politician and even their hands are often tied or at least they seem to act like they are. He talked about narrowing the focus affect what you can affect, change what you can change. And by and large, I do agree with that. But I will say this. I do think that for some people who don't realize, some of us, I should say, because all of us fall into this, myself included, when we don't realize how much power we are trying to hold on to, we'll say things like, you got to narrow the focus to absolve ourselves of making bigger strides with the influence that we actually have. Some of us have more influence than we're willing to wield because if we wield that influence in defiance of the empire, we fear that the little bit of power the empire lets us have will slip through our fingers. And this is the story of the world that Jesus came into. Jesus came into a world historically where Jewish men had been granted certain power by the Empire of Rome. And much of the reason, despite what you might have heard about AR 15s from some politician who's ill informed and misguided, the reason Jesus was murdered and the reason why his own people cooperated with his murder, with his public execution by the state, was because Jesus threatened the Empire. And in threatening the empire, he also threatened the uh, religious leaders of his day, the Pharisees and the chief priests and the folks who who Rome allowed to have some power as long as they didn't challenge the empire. Those folks were like, uh, yeah, uh, I mean, I know that you're a rabbi. I know that you're one of us. I know, hey, I've seen you heal some people. I, I've, I've seen like some people who were blind get their sight back. Like, I haven't really heard anything in what you were saying that, that it, about how the world should be that doesn't sound generous. I haven't heard anything. I haven't heard you say anything that, that, that really, honestly, if, if, I'm, if I'm paying attention to Torah, which is, which is the, the, the law that we all go by as, as, as devout Jewish people, I haven't heard you say anything that's necessarily contrary to Torah, but you are threatening our power. And I have felt, whether it be through loss of resource, loss of employment, loss of friendship, loss of connection, I have felt what it feels like to be a person who speaks out and says things that challenge empire's stronghold on all of our lives. I have felt what it feels like to have people around you not be able to publicly be your friend. (laughs) Not be able to publicly endorse you, not be able to uh, be aligned with you again, like Nicodemus in the Jesus story, coming to you privately saying, "Hey man, yo, we rock with what you're saying. Like we 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 uh we ain't got no problems with it." But publicly, not being able to make that declaration, and I say that to say, what can you do? How can you contend for a better world you can start where you are especially those of you who are parents right if you're if you have if you have little ones who you are um, in charge of if you will who you're responsible for you can contend for a better excuse me sorry you can contend for a better world at the dinner table on the way to school before bed you can contend for a better world with the conversations you have you can contend for a better world with with the battles you're willing to fight with uh, the school board, with the educators who are teaching your children. You can contend for a better world by um, the resources that you intake yourself, the things that you're learning about an ever-changing world that will allow you to be able to have conversations with your children when things come up. Because one thing that every parent listening to this knows, and those of you who have small children that may not know this yet, or maybe those of you who don't have children at all, Uh, One thing that we as parents know is that things come up with our children that we were not planning to have to talk about when we had to talk about them. There will be things that come up about black folks, for my white uh, siblings that are listening to this podcast. There will be things that come up about people of color, questions that your children will ask, things that your children will say that you did not plan on having to address. Podcasts like these... Resources like uh, speaking of racism and check your privilege, and our good friend Letty, and the resources that they put out on social media and, and through their curriculums and Tory uh, Tory Douglas and uh, White Homework, and uh, our, our good friend Joe Lumen and Andre Henry. The list goes on and on and on of all the folks that like have resources that can help you be ready. When the inevitable comes up, your kid comes home and has a question about something that you were not prepared to talk about. You hadn't planned on talking about it, but you can be prepared to talk about it. That's how you can be contending for a better world because your children are going to grow up and have something to say in the workplace, have something to say in church, have something to say in politics, have something to say in education, have something to say in financial institutions, in tech, in sports, you name it. Your children are going to grow up and have something to say in those arenas. And the something that they'll have to say is, is two parts. One, again, talking to this executive, one of the things that we talked about was there is a DNA. The body does keep score. It's not just our hair and our eyes and our build and our, our height. There are temperaments, attitudes, ways of being, ways of seeing. Uh, I've, I've heard people talk about their five-year-old children having a love, actually less than five, three-year-old children having, having a love for trucks and, and construction toys and all that kind of stuff, that was the same as their great-grandfather. These things show up. They show up. Oppressor and oppressed shows up. And when those things show up, right, you have an opportunity to express a different narrative than what they f- Feel in their DNA. That's how it gets better. We don't wait for old. I used to hear people talk about waiting for old white people to die off. For racism to go away. That's just. (laughs) Again. Trying to absolve yourself of having to do the work. Because that's, that's not how that works. Genes don't die off. They continue. That's why our stories. And our connection to our ancestors is so important. I showed up in America, in the bodies of enslaved Africans. That's how I got here. That DNA was passed down to somebody who passed it 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 down to, it down to, it down to me. And then I pass it down to my children. So there is a, there is some some clay to mold. There is some ideologies that are in our blood to... Mold to think through and when they come out we got to be ready to challenge some of the old data that we inherited some of the old ways of thinking the old ways of seeing that's how you as a parent can contend you as a partner can contend by um, you and your partner having these conversations talking about what happened at work being there for one another supporting one another if you are if you're in a partnership and, and both of you are from marginalized identity groups that relationship has a greater purpose than you know. It's more than just being in a relationship with each other and and liking each other and liking spending time with each other. There's more to that relationship that contends for a better world by the two of you in partnership with one another, being support, being advocates, being accountability to one another. And if you are a pastor listening to this, I don't think I have much that I need to say. If you're a religious leader, if you are... Someone who who has the ability to communicate to groups of people and they listen to you. And many and and many of you who listen to the podcast, the folks listening to you have to listen to you. Have something to say that's contending for freedom, for belonging, for inclusion, for equity. Have something to say that flows from spirit again, i'm not i'm I'm not saying spirit in a way that has some sort of religious ownership over it. spirit doesn't belong to nobody but the Creator. And all of us collectively I have something to say that comes from spirit. Spirit is that thing that uh, allows uh, for a group of of well-dressed black folks to walk across the Edmund Pettus bridge, knowing that on the other side of that bridge they are, about to be uh, beaten, attacked by dogs. yeah, Spirit. Spirit is that thing that allowed Mother Teresa to continue to do her work in spite of the fact that her journal entry suggests that she was uh, having an existential crisis um, on, on a nightly basis wondering where God was, feeling this this vast emptiness of of not knowing if God was present, but spirit allowed for Mother Teresa to continue to do her work because there was something greater than her that she was contending for and she was willing to have nothing in order to make that contention. And I'm not telling you, any of you, unless spirit is telling you to do so, I am not telling you to sell everything you have and and, and go out and live free of capitalism. Uh, um, We we know folks who have done that, folks that have decided, I'm going to unplug from all of it because which is really what the um, desert fathers of, uh, in antiquity did, they decided, I'm getting away from all of it, unplugging from all of it, because I feel like that's the only way I can actually live a sacred life. I'm not telling you to do that. Because some folks need to stay in the system they're in and learn how to resist it. Not to comply or withdraw or even rebel or to manipulate the system for their own end. No, some of us need to stay in the system we're in and learn how to resist it. And resisting it means to learn how to live in an embodied way that is counter to a system that destroys, but to live in a way that says, I'm inviting as many people as I can into this that we're doing. You're a hiring manager. You got a job to do to find the best talent Sometimes the best talent does not mean you go out and find somebody with the greatest resume and who went to the best school because sometimes the best talent or sometimes to be more inclusive means to find someone who's not had the opportunities that other folks have had. It's stopping. It's moving a little bit slower in our processes and going, who's not in the room? Who's not with us? Who's not a part of this community? If you even have friendship circles in 2022... Whether, whatever year you're listening to this, you might be listening to this in 2025, 2030 even, who knows when you're listening to this. You got friendship circles that do not include anyone beyond folks who look like you, vote like you, talk like you, believe like you, have the same traditions that you have. That's a problem for someone who's contending for a better world because contending for a better world is always looking out for those folks who are not in the circle how do we get more of those folks to feel like they can bring their whole self to the circle? Friends, that's, that's that's better. Hopefully that's, I've not actually ever done a full-on podcast talking about what better is. And I've decided today, you know what? I think we need to do an episode talking about what it means to be contending for a better world. And our conversations over the next several episodes of uh, this new season seven will be those where you can hear in it, we're talking about what does it mean? What's it mean? I want you to be listening. What does it mean? I want you to be in your own life and in your own like um circles, your own like, your own spaces, your own institutions. What does it mean? What's it look like? How do I do it? How do I do that? How can I do it today? How can I contend for better today? Let me tell you about a couple of things that's coming up, then I'm gonna get out of here. Well I mean, get out of your ears. <laughs> Unless you listen to some other episodes and I'll stay in your ears. Maybe in a long drive or something and I'm just going to be in your ears for the next five, six hours. Whatever. Before I get out of your ears for this episode. Coming up, some really, really cool stuff. Um, I just want to give a shout out to our sister, maisha T. Hill. Mm-hmm. And her new book, um, Heal Your Way Forward, which is already, uh, it's not released yet, but it's already like, every, I see it everywhere. It's already blowing up. And I will be hosting her release party in August. So uh, please be looking out for that. I want you all to be a part of that. I want us all to support our sister, Myesha T. Hill, who's uh, a sister to me and also just a, someone I, I glean from a lot. She's amazing. If you're not following her work, you need to. And she'll also be a guest uh, on this season as well. So I uh, just wanted to give that quick shout out to Myesha T. Hill. Grace and peace to all of you. And thank you for joining us on this journey of contending for a better world one conversation at a time.